Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your own inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, along with my co-host, CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group, Christian Webb. Good morning. Let's flex. Let's flex. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but I'm excited. Never forget that we are accompanied by the greatest videographer on the face of the earth, Mr. David Woodruff with Genesis Film, who we have placed in the corner. Um... Basically like Patrick Swayze. He's in timeout. Nobody puts David in the corner except for Reese and Christian. <laughs> Today our guest is a super special guy coming from New York, Mr. Steve Nazarian, and his business is called The Best Why. Steve, good morning, and tell us what The Best Why is. Good morning. Uh, happy to be here, guys. Um, the Best Why is a marketing company, but not like you would traditionally think. Um, the, the name comes from... Focusing on the best reason why someone should buy the product or service that your company is selling. And that's really rooted in developing actual relationships with your customer. You're like an interpersonal marketing relationship guru. Something like that. Yeah. But it actually goes <laughs> it, it actually goes beyond um, customer communications. There's an internal piece as well, mm -hmm. um, sort of along the lines of if there's a guy on an assembly line turning a wrench 40 hours a week, if he knows why what he does matters mm – -hmm he's much more likely to do it well sure. or to point out if there's a problem than if he's just getting paid to punch a card and, uh, and, and turn, a, turn a wrench. So, yeah. um, Internal motivations it, and stuff like that. Yeah, so making sure that not only do companies understand sort of all the way back to the beginning why they came into existence and why they matter to their customers, but also their employees understand why the work they does matters as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's such a tremendous field. And the thing that I love about having other people that are in the marketing realm on our show is that there's so many different avenues and they're all important. You know, um, we had a guest, um, God, what was his name? Charlotte cycle boat, dude. Um, oh, he's going to hate us for not. I know. <laughs> Rob, Bennett. Rob, Rob Bennett. Bennett. Yes. Yep. Rob Bennett. Thank you. Thank you, David. See, that's why we have to be here. He's our, he's our little, our little scribe. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob, Rob had this quote. We're going to see him on Saturday. He's literally oh, yeah. going to kill us, by the way. We're not going to air this until after Perfect. Saturday, just yeah, so you know. But anyways, like I just plan. couldn't remember his name, whatever. But um, his, he had this, had this quote, and he's like, um, tell me what you guys think of this quote. It's the first thing that he said to us. He says, um, advertising is the price of making your business unremarkable. <laughs> and, and we were like, you know, that's that's an excellent point. And then of course me being my argumentative self, I was like I was like, well in that case, um, you know, without any with the blinders on, you know, if I say, um, you know, go get me a soda, what's the first soda that you're gonna think about? And of course he said Coca Cola. And I said, Well you know why? No, I said, because they have the most consistent brand that spent the most advertising dollars. So suck it, nerd. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I mean. It, but it, I bet when they came out, yeah. they were extremely remarkable. They were. They actually had cocaine in it a little bit, too, from what so I understand. Super so super remarkable. Super extra remarkable or something, I guess. But, but also illegal. Don't yeah. do it, kids. Yeah, don't open any of those 1898 <laughs> bottles no, of Coca-Cola. No. They're probably case. worth more unopened. Yeah. You know, oh, sure. I wonder if they even exist anymore. Maybe. If somebody know. out there has a can of Coca-Cola older than me, yeah. bring it. Probably be that's, a bottle than a can. Yeah. That, I'm thinking. Just that's, just thinking. Just just <laughs> just thinking out loud over here. You know what? But that is definitely a thirty one year old question. That is a thirty one year old <laughs> question for sure. Like like where's the where, oh my God. Let's switch back to things that are important. So sure. Steve <laughs> So I mean what do you what do you think of that quote? You know, advertising is is the price your business pays for being unremarkable. Well, I, you know, I think it probably falls into the larger problem of decisions, direction, and messages being done 
sort of by consensus and um, sort of appealing to the least common denominator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every year, I'm not a big sports guy. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I like the Red Sox, so I'm having a tough year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm not really. Go Braves. Yeah, I'm not a big football fan. Um, though I do enjoy, always have enjoyed yeah. the the ads during the Super Bowl. Right. Right. Sure. So everybody leaves the room when the game is is off, and yeah. I'm like digging in and watching the ads. Yeah. And the last several years, they've been pretty dull because nobody's taken any chances. You're totally right about that. Everybody's 100%. like, okay, well, you know, we could do this, but eh, it's a little edgy. Um, a company I worked for uh, several years ago uh, was video editing production animation company, and we entered the Doritos. Uh, ad competition. Oh wow! For um, uh, that would have been so much fun for the Super Bowl. It was yeah. it was a ton of fun, and you know yeah. we had you know millions of dollars worth of equipment and good people and so on. Yeah, I mean we didn't have a David. We but, did not uh, have David. That's why you didn't get the probably <laughs> probably. But we we ended up. It was the year that the the one with. Uh, the guy on the airplane who's trying to get the hot chick to sit next to him. Oh, right. And then yeah. she ended up having a baby on her yeah. chest. Yeah. Right? That's that's the guy who won, and he actually deserved to win. That was but great. That was the a good, ad, I remember that commercial. The, that was yeah, a great one. Right. Yep. So you remembered mm-hmm. it. Yep. But the, sure ad, the ad we did was there was this guy named Dick, and he was in an office, and he was a namesake. Let's yeah. just say that. Okay? Yeah. And our whole thing was don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't or be a don't dick. Or don't be dick. Oh, right. Right? And probably pushing the threshold a right. little bit, you right. know, it, but yeah. it's also the Super Bowl. You right. Know? And we figured, well, we figured if we're going to do it, do it let's take a shot. Yeah. Right. Shot because the chances of even, you know, even if our stuff is as good as everybody else's, yeah. just on numbers alone, the odds are not in our favor. We, we've been discussing this in-house quite a bit lately because I, it's kind of interesting. You may have detected this when you had a coffee with us before this podcast, mm. but in our company, he's kind of the yes man. He says yes to everything, even if he has no idea what he's getting me into. <laughs> and I'm kind of the no man. I'm kind of the guy where, where you know, I like to actually think about things objectively and things like that. And I end up saying no a lot more often than I say yes. And I try to defeat that in, in all earnest. Yeah, and usually I have to beat it out of them. Because yeah. like, cause like really what happens is like no one in this whole no one in this world, I don't care who you are, goes to their first giant project and says, man, I've done this before. Yeah. Not a single soul in the nope. entire world. Nope. <laughs> and most of the big successes I've had in my career have been when I really didn't know what I was doing. Or we were doing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was involved in one of the very first uh, live video streaming uh, setups outside of what Apple was doing. and what It used to be Apple and Victoria's <laughs> Secret were mm-hmm. the two that did live video. Mm-hmm. And I was working uh, – uh, I was – my title was technical producer, but I worked for a company that did vid- uh, meeting and event production, mostly for associations and societies, so big meetings. Okay. And um, I forget which association it was, but they're like, we want to live stream our keynote to all of our members who can't be in, I think it was in Houston. Mm-hmm. So, What year was this, just out of curiosity? This would have been... Um, 99. Okay, wow. So, I mean, so this, this would have been a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> huge well, deal. Yeah. Huge deal. Now and, it would have been a button. Cameras, yeah, but cameras would have been filmed back then too, right? Or no, it was, we had, it was okay. standard deaf video. Yeah. And so they were feeding me a video sure. feedback stage. I had this quad core computer. David's <laughs> laughing over there because I have no idea what the hell probably I'm cost about, by the, way. the The computer that I lugged all the way to Houston yeah. probably cost um, 10 grand. Wow. And it was probably just a gigantic. Well, it was know, a big desktop thing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, big monitor and, you know, had all special video boards in it and so on. Checked it for bombs. It was so big. Yeah. We found a service that could do the broadcast. Yeah. And I remember calling from wherever I was laid over on the way to Houston. I remember it was a Sunday night calling the service provider. And the guy answered the phone. Wow. And 
He's like, yeah, just call me tomorrow when you have your IP address at the uh, convention center. And you know, it shouldn't have worked. Yeah, but it should Totally should not have worked. Yeah. And what's funny is that when it was all over, I got all the statistics on it. And like, wow, you know, 78 people watched it. Yeah. And then I, like... I got, I got, well, no. And then I got back to the office and I'm like, how many people here watched it? And like 30. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. really only about 40 people watched it. And what it boiled down to at the time was the only people who cared enough to see the mm-hmm. keynote live yeah. came. Mm-hmm. And nobody else cared to see it live. They're happy to, they're happy to watch it later. Um, but thinking back, uh, at this, in the same company, we did um, a, a, a paid live webcast of uh, – you know, it's for a doctor's association. And so we had all these doctors, three people in three different locations, 150 people paid like 200 bucks to watch this live presentation. Oh, wow. And I was controlling it all and from this one little laptop. And the service provider, you know, I think you, you guys can handle 250 people. No problem, no problem, no problem, no problem. He goes, but be very careful. You as the person running it, if you disconnect from the system, everybody gets kicked off. Oh, no pressure. So, so I'm, so I have all the, the slides. I'm going to chalk laptop. this up as obvious foreshadowing, by the way. And I'm like, <laughs> click, click. And we'd rehearsed it. And so yeah. I had the script and I knew when the guy says, okay, yeah. Just, and you know, and then I remove the ilias symptom or something or other. I'm like, click. Yeah. And I click 404 error comes up on my screen oh, and my yeah. stomach just like drops. Oh yeah. And Worst. I just hit back. Yeah. Reconnected and we continued on. But it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. But for a second, I thought this was all over thousands of dollars at play. So then Oof. it's all over. Sweating bullets. Shows shut things down. We all high five each other. It's great. And uh, the service provider calls me. He's like, I can't believe it. You had 230 people on. We didn't think it would work. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Even though he said it's no problem. Right, with two right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're, you, know, you're, yeah. You're, you were saying, oh, yeah, he just says yes, and you figure it out later. Right. That guy said yes mm-hmm. and, he had, and was thrilled yeah, that his yeah. system was more scalable than he thought it was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, That's I get hilarious. it. I get it. Yeah. And I think – you know, sort of coming back to the original question, people are so scared. And, and gosh, the, the sort of political climate we're in now only makes it worse. For sure. They're so scared of taking a chance and being wrong that they end up sort of shooting up the middle and they don't really effectively do anything. Hey, you're canceled for anything these days now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, there's this, we were actually discussing this right, right before Panera. It's like voting Roman. present, yeah. you know, at, in, in the legislature. That's, that's all people are doing. Exactly. It, it's kind of a shame because, you know, I was, I was telling him about how, you know, I have, I have my political beliefs, and, and honestly, everybody has some beliefs sure. about, about these things. And yet, I don't talk about them in public or outside of private conversations because of, just because of the concern or worry that I might offend somebody by my beliefs or, or whatever else. And at the end of the day, they're my beliefs. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you shouldn't have to lose a contract. Cause yeah, I shouldn't have to. Right. And, I, you know, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to force yourself to, to censor yourself based on something that you actually believe in. Type of yeah, thing. I saw a commercial the other day that was exactly this, right? Like it was, uh, but this was actually well done. Like they did what they were trying to do. It was a, uh, it was a rice. It was like a crispy commercial. I'm not gonna say the whole name, I guess, but <laughs> uh, just case I get in trouble or something. But basically, they did. Are this. we talking Krispy Kreme or Rice Krispies? Type rice Krispies. Okay. Screw it, Rice Krispies. Yeah. Uh, but basically, they I was did. I gonna a, say you've, you're we're halfway there, cuz. Yeah. <laughs> they, they basically did it. They basically did a commercial where they had all these, uh, they had all these girls in a room doing ballerina, uh, doing like ballet. Oh, right. They're, they're yeah. practicing, uh-huh. and then there's this one boy, one feminine looking right. boy. And they basically the commercial is saying, let your kid express his sexuality and let him have a snack to keep him going on the floor. But it was a commercial about ballet and one boy surrounded by females. Keep your energy. 
hmm. have a Rice Krispie treat. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, was like, that's interesting messaging. I was Mike. like, what? But but think about it. they're not getting canceled. Yeah. No way with that messaging, right? For sure. And also, it's almost under the table enough to where people wouldn't notice it. Yeah. But it, it was smooth. What they yeah. were trying to do was real smooth. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's it's really interesting when when you especially when you're talking about you know LGBTQ rights and stuff. Also, like it's that. terrible snack for working out. Just so we're clear. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine <laughs> doing a Rice Krispie Street in the middle of whatever like a vomit anything no 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 like, that's you know that's sitting around the couch rubbing your belly kind of yeah snack, like, like crossfit it. grab yeah. water rice crispy oh yeah oh, dude that's just <laughs> anyway but it's, it's interesting how i feel like some of these some of these companies i always think about chick-fil-a mm-hmm. because chick-fil-a's ceo several years ago came out and said marriage should be between a man and a woman and that was his belief mm-hmm. you know and then you know you had this this attempt at cancel culture, mm-hmm. and, and they doubled it. And no, and then and then Chick Fil A blew up because a lot of the conservative folks were like, "Oh, we're gonna go get all that anti-gay chicken or whatever," you know, the next day. <laughs> and and legitimately, like the the oh. attempt to boycott backfired. Yeah. Um, in common culture, we see. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw in the news the Goya company. Mm-hmm. Oh, Goya yeah. company is a yep. Hispanic-owned company, and they do they make like spices and and uh, different bean products. And maybe stuff or maybe like not that. a little bit of. A little bit of a uh, Mexican uh, mafia type style stuff up in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that, so that yeah, so the the CEO was like, um, you know, we're lucky, we're lucky to have Donald Trump. That's all he said. We're lucky to have Donald Trump. He's great. You know, we need a builder. That's yeah, what he said. Yeah, he's a builder, right? And then next thing you know, there's this huge attempt at boycott. And by the way, I mean that backfired so much they're limiting the amount of Goya products you can buy in the store. There's literally signs all over the place, I mean, in the South at least, where they say, where they say you know, limit two products per customer or whatever else type of thing. Yeah, it's almost um, like they're selling Clorox wipes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, toilet paper. That's, that's, my, that's my biggest fear of 2020 is we'll come out of here and we won't be able to have toilet paper and Clorox wipes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... It's interesting. You ever want to open a company, a toilet paper company, a, uh, a sanitation company would probably Dude. be two big ones. Yeah. Well, yesterday, uh, we, you know, the the Amazon stuff sort of comes in waves, right? And so yesterday was a big convergence day of Amazon. There were like seven boxes on my front stoop, and I got you know I got kids heading off to did college. You, did you hashtag drink and prime? Don't lie. <laughs> nah, I just got six people on my house, and I got a nephew yeah. who goes to Wake Forest, but he lives in uh, Massachusetts, so he's sending stuff to our house because oh, okay. he flies yeah. into Charlotte, so it's just it's stacking up. Yeah. Um, and I came inside and I said to my wife, I said, you know how they say that the only people who made money in the gold rush were the guys selling picks and shovels? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I said, wish I'd gotten into the corrugated cardboard business a couple years ago. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no I kidding. literally have more boxes than I know what to do with yeah. in the space of four minutes. They yeah. show up at my house and their pur- as soon as they're open, the purpose is done and out it goes into recycling. Yeah. It doesn't go back and get reused again. Yeah, yeah. I, I never like knew that was burn. a business. I never yeah. knew it was a business, but like oh, years a, ago, I dated this girl for like for a sure. couple weeks. Her dad making like five, $600,000 a year. Box making salesman. boxes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Oh, I remember that. I don't remember the girl, but I remember that. Yeah, uh, uh, Jordan. Oh, right. Uh, yep. But basically, she was literally, her dad was making boxes. Yep. Living in a living in a 12,000 square foot home. Yep. Beautiful floors. But he was spiral stairs. I remember the story. He was making them like in the basement. Yeah, right? yeah. his basement floor yeah. was, it wasn't, it wasn't box a, making. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he didn't have a factory. No, no it was a in a basement. Interesting. And, and he would yeah. just do this for hours or whatever. And and I, I just, because I remember well, I think why. it was him and like several people. But yeah, but they were just, it was just. Making boxes. Man. And then, making and boxes. I, I was like, this guy has this house making boxes. Okay, yeah. whatever. And I, yeah. I've been on the purchasing side. You know, I, I ran sales and marketing for a manufacturing company for, for several years. And we were, it's fun to say today, but we were in the CD and DVD business. Mm-hmm. Um, and our biggest vertical was photo. So all the CDs and photo CDs that you buy at CVS and write in. So on, that's the kind of thing we supplied. Yeah. 
So I bought boxes by the millions because we packaged up wow. these printed yeah. discs uh, in the little beehives with envelopes and so on, and we shipped them out to the distribution centers, and they went to the drugstores. Um, you'd be shocked at how cheap boxes are when you're buying them by the pallet. Yeah. Um, and these these boxes that were maybe, I don't know, eight inches square, mm-hmm. 1.3 cents. Yeah. You know? Like nothing. But you got to buy a million fifty thousand dollars of them per yeah. order. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a volume play. Yeah. Right. So they're selling me for one point three. They're building it for point two. Yeah. You know, trust me, everyone's making money at every level. And I, I can't imagine the the box coming in doing its thing for what short period of time it does it and then it goes through the recycling process. Yeah. And I don't know what it ends up as. Mm-hmm. But um it that like it can't be it can't be efficient. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's interesting. I mean that it kind of begs the question of what we're doing to our earth too, you know. Oh no, like, sure. It, it begs the question of what does all this stuff become? I don't know. Well, yeah, it know. makes it super. You, you know, they, they David might know. <laughs> David, they make David it super easy for you to feel good about it, right? The True. box comes in, I flatten it, I put it in my giant recycling bin, and I think I've done my thing. I'm like, well, yeah. it's back into the system, right? And then you start reading about how well China's no longer buying our recyclable paper, so it's being dumped into the into the landfill. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, same yeah. same concept. So now I have two again. trash cans. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty right, much. right, yeah, 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 exactly. You've got the garbage one and the feel-good one. That, that is. <laughs> the feel-good one. <laughs> the, the I feel, feel This is for one. my garbage and this is for my conscience. Yeah, yeah. for my conscience. <laughs> That's, you're definitely onto something yeah. with that, for sure. We have Our, two uh, conscience ones. Oh, do you? Yeah, two? Do. Oh, I'm not trying to brag or anything. We had but, to pay you know, for the second with one. All, with all your, with all your priming and all your uh, all your children it's in the mostly, house. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly the children. Yeah. But, yeah, you I don't believe you at all, If you call Charlotte... Municipal waste or whatever the garbage people are for yeah. forty five dollars, they will bring you a second recycle bin, and yeah. that one belongs to you. You can take it with you from place to place. Oh wow! Okay, all right, I got. So you, you have to take a recycling bin and put it in a moving truck when you leave. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, I'm staying with the house. Trust yeah. me. Once, the, once these You're four, die four, four kids are off the payroll, I'm going someplace where one recycle bin will be plenty. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this one. That's your retirement for, plan. for the next sucker who yeah. buys my giant house. Yeah, retire, retire. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve's retirement plan is is one recycling bin. That's right. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Right. He's full, like, he's well, like, mostly gin bottles. But yeah. that's hey. again, that's my personal yeah. belief. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I'm not gonna share it. Yeah. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna hate on that choice. I'm a whiskey guy myself, by the way. But I can. I can rock. With and I won't sin. judge you for that. Yeah. So let's get back on topic with your business a little let's bit. Do. So helping, uh, helping find that why. Do you find it starts at the actual owner itself of large companies, or do you think there's like. He doesn't matter in that situation. Well, it, it, and sometimes it's a she. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> oh, I got to cover my boxes. Yeah, you you better. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashtag twenty twenty. It it comes typically comes back to the origin of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay, whether that has something to do with the founder or a group of people or a concept or an idea, and if they've you know if they've completely gone in a different direction from how they started out. You know, like how Wells Fargo started out, you know, mm-hmm. ferrying money in stagecoaches, mm-hmm. and now they're a giant ass bank. Yeah. That obviously, stagecoaches have very little to do with their messaging now. Do you find that people make up origins? Uh, you know, I find that if you dig deep enough, you find the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, because like our actual origins, I, I started a sales company four and a half years ago almost, and six months later, or a little over a year later, like we were having drinks on an airplane back from Vegas, and I was like, hey, you want to be business partners? <laughs> And we'll start marketing, and that's how our company started. And now it's Completely became true. something else, right? But that origin Completely story, true. I don't know if that really... It's actually on our Facebook. I don't know so. if that goes well with, like, the common... I, I mean, think one of us... I think it's a great story, but personally. Here's, here's the thing. You're taking a legitimate, honest story 
that most people can honestly relate to. To be honest, I'm a little impressed that you were drinking on the way home from Vegas. Because um, most <laughs> people are, are into the Al- Alka-Seltzer at that point or, or just holding their I was heads. trying not to be hungover until I got home. Right. Yeah, hair of dog. Right. Hair of dog. Okay. <laughs> but once once you once you wheels up, yeah. uh, that's no longer staying in Vegas. So yeah. just anyway. <laughs> um, I'm always but, in the Vegas you, state of but mind. But you've, you've got this. I think that's a great origin story, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Because it's two guys who are in a totally honest and a relaxed state of mind who have, and let's be honest, if, if we go party for a weekend, we have moments of clarity. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah. And so out of that weekend came this, you know, like, dude, you know, you're my guy and we get each <laughs> other and so let's do this. <laughs> and people can relate to that far more than your whatever uh, polished like you were there. story you It's like you were there. With. It's like you were there. I, 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 I've been there. <laughs> been there. <laughs> Jen instead of whiskey, though. Got you. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. you know, I, I remember the, one of the greatest pieces of airport food I ever got was in, was in Vegas, and it was uh, the breakfast fried rice. The, oh. like, the Chinese little Chinese guy was doing, uh, you know, bacon and scallions, and it was, it was awesome. Wow. And it was a pretty solid that's, hangover breakfast for, for I mean, flying home. My wife yeah. makes me breakfast rice all the time. It's delicious. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, but to answer your question, yeah, you got to get back to how it came to be and you need to be honest about it and you need to see how that's driven, uh, where you are today. Maybe the origin story isn't super important to, to what you're trying to do today. But, uh, at the, at the end of that process, you have to figure out why you matter and why you matter to your customers or to your audience or whatever it is. And if why you believe you matter and why they believe you matter doesn't line up, you're going to be fighting it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Those two things need to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so if your perception of who you are and their perception of who you are are two different things, uh, you got to take some time to get those things aligned. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, you got to make sure your employees are on board as well because they are your biggest fans, your biggest ambassadors, your biggest supporters. And let's be honest. We have a fantastic And, and I say team. this over and over again. People are the worst part of any business. Mm-hmm. People are the worst. Um, my sister is a uh, high school English teacher and has been for almost 25 years. And pretty much her ongoing mantra is people are the worst, people are the worst, people are the worst. And they are. Managing people. She seems, she seems very optimistic. <laughs> she, actually, she actually is. Um, but she's got a coffee mug that says um, – this coffee tastes like you should shut up until I finish it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get that from me. Like, if you could find <laughs> that. Well, you when that we were talking this morning sure. about how yep, you're not yep. a morning person, mm-hmm. like, 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 you're a yeah. bearded version of my sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I'll choose to take as, that as, as a compliment. As should she. Um, <laughs> but uh, if hiring people is difficult, even in this, this climate we have right now where there are more candidates – 10 times the candidates than there are opportunities. Mm-hmm. Slogging through those candidates to find the right person is difficult. And if you have a culture where people are excited about where they work, excited about what they do, you'll never have to seek out employees. People will be lined up around the block. Or when there's an opportunity in your company, every one of your employees adjacent to that opportunity is going to know six people mm-hmm. that they can bring in. Yeah. Um, so you know, in addition to what we were talking about earlier about brand loyalty and people buying what they certain things and being and being um, loyal to certain brands because it's just what works for them. Mm-hmm. By the same token, it's important for you as a business owner or a manager or a leader in your business to have a pretty good idea what your employees will say when people ask, where do you work and what do you do? Mm-hmm. Because if they're embarrassed about where they work, 
or they're unclear about what they do. And it isn't so much what they do, but again, as I said earlier, why what they do matters. Right. Then instead of just answering the question, they are all of a sudden creating a demand for people to work where they work. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my youngest, so I got four kids. I've got a, a college junior, a college sophomore, a college freshman, and a high school junior. And my high school junior works at the Ben and Jerry's over in Foxcroft. Now, on the surface, that seems like the ultimate teenage job, right? For sure. You know, it's happy. If you, you don't get, care about your weight. You get you to know. wear tie-dye. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a mile from our house, so, yeah. you know, it, it's super convenient. And everybody wants to work there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's got friends from school, and they're like, can you get me a job, Ben and Jerry's? Right. And he actually does enjoy the job, and he yeah. makes great money, and, you know, it's pretty low pressure. It's really hard to mess up ice cream. Even yeah. the worst ice cream customer isn't that bad. Right, sure. Uh, and then they're gone pretty quickly, so yeah. even a bad encounter even, doesn't yeah. last that even long. Even if it melts in their fingers, right. they're gone. Five um, and so whenever they need to hire – They've got a stack of resumes a mile high, and mm-hmm. for the most part, they are people who their current employees already know. Yeah, they never place an ad ever. Yeah, yeah, go figure. You know, I, I like to talk about, and I've talked on the show quite a bit about corporate culture, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you're you're birthing something. You know, you're birthing something based on based on the origins of your beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're birthing something. You know, one of the things actually, when we sat down and we discussed, you know, what type of behavior that we expect out of our employees. Like I don't give a shit if they cuss. Like <laughs> I just don't. Like it. It just just modern day. I cuss all the time. Not like I'm a sailor or anything. But I mean, it, it's like you know, as long as they're as they're respectful when they're dealing with mm-hmm. people. If if they're in the office and they're talking about you know some crazy stuff, they I don't care. In fact, I encourage them to be themselves. It's who they are. You know. Yeah. Um. One of the other things about from a from a culture perspective is I think that it's a personally and and Christian probably a. Uh, agrees with me on this, even though I don't think we've ever had this conversation, but personally, I care about the quality of work much more than than the rigid guidelines of the work. And so, for example, we have an employee that, um, you know, he's he's in and out of school and, you know, he's finishing up with school and everything. And sometimes instead of working like nine to five, he'll work like eight to three and then five to seven. And I don't care. Yeah. Like that doesn't bother me at all. Like he's getting it done. He has a great job with yeah. it. He, I feel like I mean, some people open a business for the control aspect. No yeah. Doubt. But that's not our goal. Like no I'd say, if I could break it, I'd break our whole culture down, it would definitely be casual. Yeah, it's casual clothes, casual timing, casual mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think I think <laughs> giving relax. people, and you know, this is probably not an appropriate thing to say in twenty, but giving enough people enough rope to hang themselves. Yeah, is I mean, and I've I've seen once you have kids. If you've ever been in management, you realize that management and parenting are pretty much the same thing. Oh. Um, you're, you're given the responsibility of guiding people in the direction to accomplish a task. Now, when it comes to my kids, I'm guiding them in the direction of becoming decent human beings and going out into the world and, you know, doing okay. In the case of employees, you're giving them enough responsibility to do the right thing. You don't want to micromanage everybody. No. You know, that's just why would you hire people if you wanted to do their work? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right. um, there was one, one place where I had about a dozen programmers and, and the like um, under me, and I said, look, I need you to put in 40 hours. I need you to get your work done. I also know you've got families, dentist appointments, errands to run at lunchtime. I said, so if you touch clients, be available for your clients when you know they're gonna, whether they're you know in our time zone, other time zone, be available for your clients and get your work done. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I'm not going to be on your ass about when you're coming in and when you're leaving. Yeah. But if I notice over four or five days you're not getting your work done or clients are complaining you're not available, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So those are... Um, 
those are your primary responsibilities. And that worked well. But then another place, I think it's funny how English major ends up responsible for programmers. The, yeah. sec- the second yeah. time it happened, right. um, the, uh, it was a situation where I came in as um, uh, vice president of uh, delivery for an educational software company. And not long after I started, my technology director quit. So I had this gap. Yeah. Um, and I knew, the, two jobs at knew once. the guy I wanted to hire, but sure. you know, he was six weeks out. Yeah. So for a couple of months, I was responsible for all the programmers, even mm-hmm. though I was supposed to be at least arm's length away from them. And they would come into my office with problems. And because I'm not a programmer, I mean, mm-hmm. I speak programmer. Right. But because mm-hmm. I don't speak the details of what, what their problem is, I always kept one of my whiteboards completely clean. Yeah. And they would come in and I said, okay. Explain it to me like I'm five years old. Yeah. Explain the problem to me. And they would dumb it down in, in a way that, you know. Uh, okay, Steve. So. <laughs> There's this thing. It's There's called code. code yeah. yeah. No. And so they would. But what an interesting thing happened is, and it was always at least two or three people, as they were diagramming and explaining the problem, they would start to see solutions. Yeah, they'd it. see their own solutions. So I, I was just solution catalyst guy, mm-hmm. right? I basically said, stop yelling at each other and have a controlled conversation. All they and needed was a whiteboard. Eventually, yeah. and you they smack stopped, them. Somebody to. They yeah. stopped right. coming to me with questions, mm-hmm. and they started coming in to me with competing solutions. Oh, that's, I mean, that's right. a good problem to have. Yeah. They would come in and say, hey, we have this problem, and Joe says this, and Mary says that, and, you know, we want you to tell us what's the best approach. <laughs> Again, Explain to me like you're five, five years, years old. old. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Come, come back to kindergarten whiteboard. Yeah. Um, but these were young Employees. Um, We had a great relationship with uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. Half of our programmers had been uh, co-ops with us Mm -hmm. uh, for at least a semester before coming to work for us. And so they've been told by their parents and their professors for the last eight years that they're super smart and can do anything. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they understand, and if you've ever worked with programmers, they want to do the most elegant thing possible, and they have no regard for the business side of it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. Um, and I love Juggernaut. how you can process yeah. mm-hmm. that that routine one tenth of a second faster. Yeah. But it's way too complicated for what the client actually wants, and they're the ones paying your salary. So right. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're so right about to that. To give by the way. them that autonomy to feel like they're solving the problems, um, you know, and then you know to be able to shepherd the, the then the younger people who are just coming in and seeing that that's how that process works. It, it really made a huge difference in the quality of their work. And, um, you know, they, they got a real sense for when they could solve the problems themselves mm-hmm. or when they needed to come talk to somebody else about whether or not the decisions they were making were, were the right ones for the business. Yeah. So it, um, it can be very challenging uh, from a management perspective. I mean, on one hand, you're, you're absolutely right. And I've, I've struggled with this. He knows I've struggled with this in, in our business and that, um, you know, I, I always have the, the big man syndrome where I feel like I can do I can do the job the best. And so sometimes I'm like, scoot over, you know, I can do this type of thing. And I've I've slowly learned through lots and lots of trial and error that um, that can I can I do that? Sure, but but that's not what is going to be able to amplify our business. You know, uh, being able to to put a task on somebody and then trusting them to do it correctly or well, you know. Well, and even more than that, for them to bring their perspective to it that isn't yours. Right. Right. None mm-hmm. of us is as smart as all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I told you guys earlier, I started out my career in audio electronics, mm-hmm. and we were we made it manufactured amplifiers. This, this must look consoles. familiar, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a little small. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, we were all super high in stuff. Sure. 
and then as that market became saturated, we're like, we got to go down market mm -hmm. because there's there's customers to capture there. Yeah, and it'll be sort of like Rolls Royce saying they're making a twenty thousand dollar subcompact. Sure. Okay. Yeah. We had to. So all of our product up to that point was all numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, professional series 8001 right you know and like we think we need, maybe need this low-end stuff to have a name yeah um and so we're all looking at each other and you know the the audio business at least in that realm was very much like the car business where the numbers on the product sort of describes like the, the power on sure. the inside yeah um and we were basically heading into the the garage band and DJ market yeah. where we'd never been before. And we're like, we kind of need to have a little more flash. And so the marketing department are all staring at each other, and all we know are numbers. Yeah. So I said, well, why don't we ask everybody? We have 300, 400 people in the company, 300 mm -hmm. were in the factory. Yeah. I said, let's have a contest. Yeah. Let's let's do up a little creative brief, a little half pager explaining what we're doing because these guys going to build these things. Yeah. And let's ask the people what in they the factory. Let's say there's, you know, there's going to be, and you know, I think it was like a fifty dollar Olive Garden gift card. Yeah, know? something simple, right? You know, everybody loves breadsticks, um, <laughs> and probably the most entertaining ninety minutes of my entire career. Oh wow! Was the day we went through all these submissions. Oh yeah, yeah. And just listen to what they had to say, and the, all of our products. What'd you end was, up with? What was the? Well, it's, we actually ended up with letters and numbers. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> But so at the end of the day, the bosses got their well, way except too. There, yeah, there yeah. was there was actually some rationale behind it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the the product we used to make was all black with white lettering, mm -hmm. and the majority of our factory workers were Spanish speaking. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, think what you want of that was in northern New Jersey in the in the '90s, but. Um, we were manufacturing electronics in the United States of America, and most mm -hmm. of our competition was overseas, so mm -hmm. that was a good thing. And uh, the, I think the funniest one was uh, El Diablo Negro. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. It's like, oh, God. these amplifiers should be called the Black Devil. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, um, mean, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Um, but I like where your head's at. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's probably well, completely innocent comment, well, too. Like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You know, well, to be, and, I, and we gave them the opportunity to explain it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it is powerful. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense to me. They will play death metal with it. Like, okay, maybe. Well, it's probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably yeah, not great definitely. for the church market. But... Uh, <laughs> Could be. We'll we don't see. Know. Depends on the church. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's, I, that's I, too much. You know, that's I funny, think though. all of these things that we're talking about are, are in fact, you know, tied together and, and at the end of the day comes down to purpose. Yeah. Like, why does your company exist and why should anybody care and hand their money over to you? Yeah, absolutely. And if you believe in why you exist and the thing you're, you're creating, whether it's a product or a service or some combination of the two, there's actually a market for it. You know, I think about a guy like Dean Kamen, who spent years and years and years coming up with the Segway mm -hmm. and all these uh, Silicon Valley uh, genius guys invested all this money. And they're like, this is going to even Steve Jobs looked at the Segway is like, this is going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And they could not have been more wrong. Yeah. Nobody was paying five thousand dollars for a self balancing scooter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For a scooter um, that, you know, you could buy a ten dollar. And now it's this kind of little niche thing now. Yeah. And um see mall Segway tours. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And you know, but you know, they thought it was gonna be this great thing. And all these super smart people all thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um and then, you know, on the flip side, uh, you know, Nintendo comes out with the Wii because they couldn't compete with Sony and and uh Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we'll just do something a little different. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it'll be cheap. It'll be 150 bucks, and the thing blew up. Yeah. So you you know if if market you position. if you could read the market 
we'd all be millionaires. For sure. Right. So you can't. But if there is a market for the thing you do and you believe in it and the people you work with, whether they're employees or contractors or suppliers, they believe in it. You win. You win. win. Well, Steve, uh, thank you so much for being our wonderful guest this morning. It's a Uh, pleasure to be here. Let's say that somebody wants to get uh, a hold of you to – so that you can help them with their communication chain. Or, Super easy. Yep. Thebestwhy.com. <laughs> the the, the best why.com. W-H-Y. That's yeah. as simple as it gets, pretty much. Um, we always like to sign off with uh, with a funny question. I think I got a good one today. All right. But I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let Christian, I'll let Christian uh, put the stamp of approval before we officially ask. But, you know, you know that we're two marketing guys that we literally came up with our business plan on a napkin on a flight to Vegas. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so what what would you say if you were going to gonna create a mission statement for Business Marketing Solutions Group, what would it be? Oh, I like this question because he's getting free work out of you. Yeah. 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 Come to our podcast, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It'll be it's fun. Free. It'll be I fun. swear. Yeah. Uh, Exclamation point, question think, mark. Let me think quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's kind of like your improv class. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, Yes and, and then, yes and yes and yes mm-hmm. and um, let's see. Be good. Two dudes on a flight home from Vegas. They got this. <laughs> <laughs> I like and, it. I like it. I mean, and, you know, the subtext could be they're done with bad decisions. <laughs> Or they're out of bad decisions. They're, they're out of bad decisions. Yeah. So they got nothing left but good decisions for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, you can trust them with with all of your all of your marketing. Yeah. And your, they're done. And we're, we're fresh out of bad decisions. Fresh out of bad. Two dudes on a plane to Vegas. They got this. That's perfect. Yeah. On that note, Steve, thank you so much for joining thank us today. You. Appreciate it.